I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jake Hatch, along for the ride. Hour two of the program underway here. If you miss any part of the show, by the way, you can go on our podcast feed and download, listen to any part of it. We pull out the interviews and that type of stuff and post them separate. But full show hours, full show, you can check it all out. So uh, appreciate all of your guys' support. All right, Michelle, let's talk a little college athletics in a way. Football obviously is the driving factor in all of this, but uh, which we want to start off? You want to start Pac-12 or you want to start with the Mountain West? I mean, it more or less all it comes goes to the same yeah. place. So sure. Wh- whichever. Okay, let's start in chronological order then. So uh, San Diego State sent a letter to the Mountain West Conference, uh, according to the reports, June 13th, mm-hmm. saying, hey, uh, we are going to resign our position with the conference, and we're uh, but we're looking for a month long extension to due to quote unforeseen circumstances. Right. Hi, Pac twelve. Figure out your media rights still, <laughs> but the Mountain West took that as all right. You're out. Yeah, you you are for sure leaving. Then. Uh, uh, Adela De La Torre, who is the president of San Diego State, sends a follow-up letter saying, whoa, 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 whoa. We're not leaving quite yet. We were just asking, you know, for an extra four or five weeks, essentially, to figure out what we're doing. Well, the Mountain West essentially fired back and said, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're, we're not negotiating on this. Because <laughs> they, they also said, that, yeah, can we negotiate the buyout, $17 million? Well, we, we just made you guys $10 million in future payments from the NCAA tournament. We're not going to see. So consider that. And they're also going to take their media rights share, which is supposed to be paid out here pretty quickly as well. There's a lot of stuff that are coming into this. Okay, so let's start off with this, Michelle. Is the Mountain West uh, being vindictive in a way? Because I think they're just doing what they're supposed to do, honestly. Yeah, I don't I don't think there's any vindictiveness there, at least from what I can kind of gather. I I think you know, this is just kind of how it goes. There there's a negotiating mm-hmm. process when things like this come up, and there might there might be a little back and forth on it, uh and a little pushback from both sides to to see, you know, who can maybe sure. inch a little more. Yeah. Uh but at least in the here and now, it doesn't Feel nasty and contentious. I know some want to maybe read into it that way, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. Sure. Well, and okay, to your point, I think that both sides are going to come to the negotiating table and figure out some arrangement. Because at this point, when you send a letter like that, 
you're out. Like you're you're moving on. And the Mountain West, they they've done this before, where San Diego State was going to go to the Big East, and then mm-hmm. they voted to let them come back. Yeah, that could still be on the table should things not work out. But all the rumors out there say that San Diego State is target number one for the Pac-12 should they expand. And whether that's with SMU, whether that's them coming in on their own, is, is that their replacement for a team that may like Colorado, the reports that they may jump to the Big 12. They were, all of those come down to that San Diego State is fully anticipating being a member of the Pac-12. And I think that's part of why they made the move that they moved, because they want made the move that they did because they want to just get out ahead of it. They want to say, Mountain West, let's talk about this. And they're kind of putting some pressure on the Pac-12 as well to say, hey, uh, can you figure that out real quick and let, it, let us know where, where, where we stand? But at the same time, if I'm, if I'm looking at this objectively, could this blow up in San Diego State's face? I mean, there there's always potential, right? It's yeah. kind of it's kind of the same as yes, it was a really big deal that the Pac-12 came came to an agreement on the grant of rights. But is there room for something to go still go wrong? Yeah, like you know, it's not it's not over till it's over, and yeah. and that's kind of you know the the place that I think San Diego State's in. Um, like, yeah, it's it's smart to kind of start feeling this out. I it it feels like. They maybe went about it in a little bit of a clumsy way. Sure. Uh, and, and I think they could have maybe been a little more careful about how they presented that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, the the short answer, though, is yes. I mean, there there is room. Will it blow up in their face? I don't think so. I think this will end out end up working out fine sure. but yes the the short answer is yes there there's always room for something to go wrong and again especially where you maybe fumble fumbled the delivery a little bit well and that's going to be the interesting part is how quickly can this all get resolved because this adds a whole nother layer to the ongoing situation with the pac-12 because we're all just sitting here kind of waiting idly by being like hey y'all gonna make a move and uh, th- we'll we'll see what it ultimately comes out I think that for San Diego State to ask for that month-long extension, I think indicates to me personally, they think that the Pac-12 is going to wrap things up here pretty quick. You and I have talked on this program multiple times. I thought that June 30 was going to be a a pretty pivotal day, which is next Friday. Mm -hmm. And I still think it could be pretty pivotal in terms of, okay, does the Mountain West just stick to their guns and tell San Diego State, hey, uh, that $17 million check or wire transfer better be in our bank account now. (laughs) Like, make your your move. And then also, how quickly does the Pac-12 wrap things up, and does that mean that they're once they're done immediately the week afterwards? All right, we're already we're, we're expanding. San Diego State, welcome on in. Like it feels like this could all kind of be dominoes that fall in very short succession. But you got to have one key, key piece of that, and that's the Pac-12 and their media rights still wrapped up. I mean, I've heard it both ways. I've heard that. The Pac-12. Could they, could they do it before? The okay. Pac-12 could invite these teams on before and then announce the media deal. Okay. Um, I've heard that they could also announce the media deal and then the ex- the expansion. I'm not sure which is correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can see arguments either way. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how this potentially plays out if it does in fact play out like that. Um, which I don't have any reason at the moment to believe it won't. Um, sure. Which is 
ultimately what I've been saying for months. <laughs> well, yeah, sure. Yeah, you, you, you make a good point there. <laughs> but uh, I, I just I haven't gotten any information from anyone credible that makes me believe anything different okay. at the moment. Um, again, always subject to change. <laughs> um, but but that's just kind of, I've been hearing the same thing for months. So I have to imagine this is all where it was ultimately supposed to go. Mm-hmm. It's dragged out longer than I think a lot of us were expecting. But, but the story, at least through the Pac-12, has remained the same the entire time. Um, but yeah, uh, t- t- we'll we'll see how the sequence of events fall out here. Um, what happens first? I do think I think we're getting to the finish line. I know that the Pac-12 has said don't hold us exactly to June thirtieth, but <laughs> but, but, but it, they they want to get it done. Yeah, but it, I I think I think and it was interesting. It was John Wilner that brought up that July 21st is actually maybe the more important date because you have your media day. Oh, that's, and, and that's the thing about that. And you don't, well, yeah. you don't want to roll up to media day and be like, well, you know what? <laughs> oh, we've got absolutely nothing to show any of you. And guess what all the questions are going to yeah, be Yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't, I don't think the Pac-12 is going to want to do that. So, so I do think something's going to get wrapped up before then. Um, June 30th is still a little interesting to watch mm-hmm. just just because maybe like some of the first pieces of the action might fall the the full wrap up though might be a little bit later than that uh, we'll see what happens so the 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 related story to this and you wrote about this on kslsports.com is that they have speaking of the Pac12 have hired a new chief financial officer mm-hmm. I'm going to butcher the name here is it Moraine Carrick that's what I would guess. <laughs> Moraine, Moraine, I, I, I apologize. I think it's Moraine okay. would be my guess, but we'll find out maybe sometime. So obviously she's coming into the conference at a pretty pivotal time. We all know mm-hmm. that. And when you have the title of CFO, guess what? All the numbers run through you. Now, she does not start this position until August 9th. Mm-hmm. So in theory, that media rights deal is wrapped up, signed, still delivered by the time she takes over this job. But she's coming into a conference that you you – Right, you type this right in the lead. After news broke in late January, the Pac-12 fired two executives due to an overpayment to the conference that they covered up. Uh, George Klyovkov announced the hiring of a new chief financial officer. She's got a position that she's got to come in and essentially reform a lot of how the Pac-12 had been operating. Now, I will also say this. That is all stuff that's in kind of in the past because you have a new commissioner. George Klyovkov has come mm-hmm. in. He seems to be operating in a much... I don't know how to say this. Uh, a much more. I don't want. To, I don't want to be like rude to. Pre, he's just. He's operating in a way that I think you can be rude to Larry Scott. Okay. Most people don't care. Well, it was an absolute bleep show. Yeah, it was a bleep show. <laughs> so, at least Klyovkov's not operating that way. Like he's just operating in a more upstanding way. That's probably the easiest way to say it. Yeah, I, I mean. If you go and you look at the Pac-12's press release on that, they went into a little more detail, which sure. I, I included a link to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it's it's things like cleaning up spending habits and and trying to do things where, like, 
the travel's not so exorbitant sure. and, and some of that kind of... You mean needs to fly in a private jet literally everywhere he goes? I was just kidding. And penthouse... No, yeah. you don't have to kid because it's all on record. You can yeah. you can find all that information about Larry Scott. It's all out there, yeah. Um, this is not anything secretive or mm-hmm. unknown. So go ahead and blast away at that guy. <laughs> but, but, Jay, but, but more to your point is that she's coming into a position where she's got to clean up a bunch. Mm-hmm. Like in her own that, – that house that she's going to step into, she's got to clean it up. Now, a lot of that's going to come out of the schools themselves having to pay that money back to get that $50 million or 60 or 70 whatever yeah, the whatever, number – Yeah, whatever it Whatever is. that number ends up being, they're going to have to figure that out. But they said this, uh, Klyovkov, Moraine brings world-class financial expertise and experience to our CFO role and we are looking forward to her principled leadership in supporting the continu- continued growth – of the Pac-12 conference. She does have an interesting job here because these schools, a lot of them are looking at what the SEC, the Big Ten are getting and saying, oh, crap, how are we going to keep up with that? Mm-hmm. Well, her job is going to be at the conference level to help come up with new innovative ways to generate revenue. She'll obviously be proposing ideas saying, hey, what do you guys think about this? Should we do something that should pivot here? And it's going to be interesting to see how much headway she can make individually because you have to get with these school presidents and say, okay, here's an idea. What do you guys think? A lot of them don't have necessarily athletic backgrounds. They understand athletics at a level, but most of them are academics. Yep. They've stepped into those roles from the academic side of things. They are looking at budgets that come from multiple pots, most notably grants that come via research and all that different stuff. The athletics arm of it may not come as naturally to them. She, in theory, should be able to come in and lay out, okay, so I'm going to use Taylor Randall as an example. President Randall, here's the, we, have, we have an idea for this for the conference, and it would involve Utah doing X, Y, and Z. Taylor Randall, to me, he's a business guy. Mm-hmm. He knows numbers. Yeah. He, athletics, he seems to be more in the know than most. That's mm-hmm. just my outside perception of him. I, I would agree. He's going to be able to look at it and say, okay, yeah, I like that idea. Mm-hmm. And that's her job now is to go and try and find new innovative ways to generate revenue. Is it going to be tens of millions of dollars in revenue? No, most most likely not. But she she has an interesting opportunity here to come in essentially clean house and start new. And I think the outside perception from on my part, I think these Pac-12 presidents got to be thinking and saying, okay, let's just you know clean slate and let's see what see see what she's capable of doing for us. Well, and I think that's pretty much been the story of George Larry Scott stepping yeah. down and George Klyovkov taking over. Like, I know people are quick to, oh my gosh, like, <laughs> but I mean, you have to understand there's a, probably a lot of skeletons in the closet from yeah. what Larry Scott did. And so unfortunately that does fall on Klyovkov and he's, uh, there might be a surprise or two more, like, sure. just be ready for that Pac-12 fans. Uh, but, but that that's kind of the whole point is I think Klyovkov's actions have shown he's here to try and clean it up and right the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, Moraine Carrick, if you look at her credentials, she spent time, uh, I believe, seven years as the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee CFO. So, right. you know, she's not some dumb dumb off the street that's never done this before. Like yeah. she's done it at a very high level. And so there's a reason. And I don't think. If there wasn't a future for the Pac-12, I doubt someone like her would be all on board getting involved. Yeah. Um, so, so there's some interesting things going on. And again, I think it all kind of layers and plays into 
each other. Uh, obviously, there's still more work yet to be done in order, I think, to get the Pac-12 on the right track. Sure. But to me, at least looking at it in the here and now, for now, it seems like some of the right steps are being taken, even if that has meant that some some things that feel backwards, aka, you know, this this story about this this money mm-hmm. that that came to the Pac twelve and was covered up, like like they were upfront, they were honest about, hey, we discovered this and it's gonna be a problem for us. We gotta fix this. You know, it wasn't a Oh wow, this has been covered up. Let's cover it up again. <laughs> sure. Well, okay, and that's the thing about this. Her background, so she worked at the US Olympic and Paralympic Committee over a period of 17 years, including you mentioned she's the CFO since 2016. Before that though, managing managing director of audit and controller. She knows Yeah, oh, she knows best how to practices. Do all this stuff. And it says you mentioned in the release it says that her part of her goal ensuring best in class standards in financial control, audit practices and financial reporting. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to be more, at least in theory, they're going to be more upfront about, okay, this is how much we brought in, this is where it went, and just making sure that you can see it's clear, that, okay, rather than yes. Um, so, Larry, we found this, you know, accounting error that's going to cost us tens of millions of dollars, and Larry's like, just let it go. Just let it go. See, so it's going to be interesting to see how the Pac-12 operates with this and how much it does, whether it's San Diego State coming in, it's SMU coming in, how you integrate those new schools potentially in while at the same time navigating the financial headwinds that these other schools that are already in the conference are looking at saying like, okay, hey, we're tens of millions behind the SEC and the Big Ten over there. Mm-hmm. How can we help make up that deficit? And she's got an interesting opportunity here to come in and say, okay, here's a few things we tried at the Olympic and Paralympic level, and let's see if that can help translate translate a little bit. Yeah. And give give us an opportunity to maybe make up a little bit of that gap. Like I said, I'm not expecting her to come in and generate tens of millions of dollars out of nothing. But anything she can do, I think would be welcome at the Pac twelve level. Yeah. It's it's all about cleanup. It's it's all about cleanup. And that and I think that's probably going to be the biggest make or break for George Klyovkov's time as Pac-12 mm-hmm. commissioner is how well does he clean up what Larry Scott left behind? Uh, Unfortunately. And a lot, of, a lot of his legacy, no matter how long it may last, obviously will be how, how he did, obviously, clean, working. And I think he's, done, he's off to a decent start, but there's still a long, yeah, there, long way to go. There's a lot to work, to work through, yeah. I think. Um, but... That that's a story for another day. Once we have have more of that information, <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, uh, we will come back on the other side. We'll get to five minutes of uh, talk about some other topics we have not had a chance to uh, dive into yet. Uh, sixty and sixty rolls on RSL in action tonight. We have plenty more to come right here on the Saturday Show. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Podcasts. 
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Jake and Michelle breaking things down on this Saturday morning. Thank you to all of you for tuning in. All right, time for five minutes of covering some of the other topics we have not had a chance to discuss quite yet on today's show. And Michelle, uh, let's start off with this. Uh, the 1660 rolls on. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, Hans and Scotty doing a great job getting us ready for the college football season. And they're kind of going through uh, the top 60 players in the, in the, in the state and uh, – we have now, let's see, we've got 11 selections now, I think, overall. Uh, and it's interesting uh, composition of different players. You got, uh, we started with Atunai Samahe, then Anthony Switzer from USU, Waylon Lapuaho from BYU, Winston Reed from Weber State, Jaron Kump from Utah, the first Ute to enter the rankings here, uh, Max Alford from Utah State, Robert Briggs from Utah State, Michael Anyawan. Anyawu, I can't say his last name. I, I, I butcher it. Regardless, apologies. Uh, from Utah State, Michael Mokofisi from Utah, uh, MJ Tafisi back at Utah State. A lot of Aggies early on in this. Uh, Chris Curry from Utah, and then our most recent one, Abraham Williams, a cornerback from Weber State. Are any of them in particular of note to you? I guess the Utes maybe more so than others for you. Yeah, at this at this point, and to be honest, the the two. Um. The two Utes that came up this past week, mm-hmm. Michael Mokafisi and Chris Curry, I think are particularly interesting. Sure. Uh, Mokafisi is a kid that within the last year, I've, I've heard his name come up in conversation quite a bit. Uh, I think they're really excited about the potential he has on the offensive line. Obviously, if you're just a general football fan here in the state, Mokofisi is a last name that say, you're very, very familiar it's with. It's going to draw you in just with the last name, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but I'm hearing a lot of great things about him, and it sounds like he's very young in his career still. Yeah. Um, last year, he played actually quite a bit on the line as a freshman. Uh, he's a sophomore. Out of necessity in many ways, yeah. Out of necessity, and he did fine. Yeah. That, that's the thing. He did great. Um, so coming into his sophomore year, there's a lot of optimism there. And then you look at a guy like Chris Curry. I mean, he was kind of on the verge, I think, of doing something special last year until he had that horrific injury. Uh, it's going to be – there are a lot of guys in that running back room. Uh, but I think there's some interesting potential there. I've talked a little bit with people. I don't know I don't know if Andy Ludwig's thinking about this. Let me whisper in your ear, Andy Ludwig. I would really love to see Jaquindon Jackson and Chris Curry out in a two-back set. I just think that would be phenomenally fun. Uh, sure. And the thing about this, uh, Curry, for me, I was going to bring him up. He has been so tantalizing with the small glimpses we've got of him mm-hmm. at Utah. It's like, ooh, ooh. Like, he makes you think, hey, he might have something here. Like, he might. It, but then it's just been, it's been injuries. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think his first year here, he had to. He, I think he was struggling to adapt a little sure. bit. Yeah, and um, so so he kind of needed the time on the bench. I know he didn't love that, mm-hmm. um, but he figured it out. And like I said, he kind of was earning a role and looked looked like he was really on the verge of doing something last year. And unfortunately, that injury came up. Running back is not. Not an area of need for Utah. It's an embarrassment of riches, and I think Curry fits into that. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see how they manage all the guys they have. Like I said, I just love the idea of having Curry and Jackson out at the same time. They're both bigger guys. Sure. 
um, I think you could just do some really interesting stuff there. Well, and you're right. Absolutely. It would make, it would make I think, for a very fun uh, just – Especially like goal line situations. Sure, yeah. Um, just, it brings in a big package that mm-hmm. opposing teams are like, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> like the idea of trying to defend both of them. It gives you multiple options. Well, and especially with – I mean, Jackson showed some nice hands in the spring game. Mm -hmm. I did not realize that he could maybe catch the ball as well as he was. So I I don't know about Chris because I don't think we've ever seen anything from Chris in that regard yet. Uh, But, uh, yeah, there's some intrigue there for me. It'll be interesting. The other name I wanted to bring up is MJ Tafisi. Mm-hmm. He feels like the one dude who's left on the Utah State defense from last year's defense. It feels like everybody else around him essentially either graduated or transferred out of the program. He's got a big opportunity up at Utah State. He's a transfer in from Washington. He played here in high school, went to UW, came back. And I remember a lot of people were like, well, how much can he really prove? He hadn't done anything at UW. Well, he proved to be a pretty solid linebacker, and I think this year might be his coming out party. He might finally get, and he's going to get a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Like, like I said, I think 10 of their 11 starters on last year's oh, defense wow. either Gone. graduated or transferred out. A.J. Vong Pachon down to BYU. Right. Just, so it opens up a big door for like MJ. I'm just interested to see how he, how he responds because he's going to have a whole new cast of characters around him. I mean, someone's got to be the leader, right? Yeah. And why not you? Sure. All right. A couple other things we need to talk about. Uh, RSL in action tonight. Uh, they are coming off a pretty impressive 3-1 win Wednesday night, Michelle. Uh, St. Louis is a debut club that has been absolutely on fire uh, since the start of the season. They actually came to uh, Sandy. This goes back a couple of months, and they absolutely just crushed RSL. It was 0-0 at halftime. Ended up 4 nothing for St. Louis in the end. They, they absolutely smoked uh, RSL, but RSL returned the favor out there in St. Louis Wednesday night uh, going out and getting a brace from Demir Krylock, his first in MLS action uh, since 2021. Also got uh, Diego Lu the the young star who played for the U twenty national team at the World Cup, uh, he got his first career goal uh, for RSL, and they ran away with a three one win. And uh, the funny thing about this is RSL is unbeaten in nine straight on the road, Michelle, across all competitions. That includes U S Open Cup and MLS action. They've not been beaten, and it's been months since okay. they've been beaten on the road. But their home form, like them playing at home, is a whole nother story. They just I don't know what it is about playing on the road. They're road warriors right now, and it has gotten them. They're now uh, three points out of second place. Like wow, their form. And if if they were playing anywhere close to what they typically do at home, we're talking about a squad that potentially could be near or at the top of the standings in Major League Soccer in the Western Division. And then, oh by the way, there's this guy named Chicho Arango who hasn't even debuted for the club yeah, yet, and we're, he's considered we're waiting be- on exactly. He's two weeks away, uh, July eighth. There's a home match against Orlando City. Uh, that he figures that'll be his first action for Real Salt Lake. They're flying right now, and adding him to the mix seems to make an even more potent lineup. And suddenly, what was once apathy and lamenting and really generally unhappy thoughts about RSL early on this season has kind of turned itself to, I think, I'd call it cautious optimism right now for this squad. Well, it's so interesting. I don't know if soccer's different. I can't imagine that it would be, but most sports... Like, it's hard to win on the road. And Major League Soccer, okay, here's the thing. Major League Soccer is very much that way. Uh, For years, the whole adage was three points at home, one point on the road. And if if that, so essentially you got draws on the road in Major League Soccer, you were going to find yourself probably top half of your conference and and a pretty good playoff seed. Well, RSL, 
they just refuse to die on the road and they keep winning. And that's the thing about this. It's kept them afloat, especially considering the fact that they're playing at home where they typically in their history, RSL has made hay at home. Mm-hmm. They're struggling right now. And what we're going to see tonight, they're playing Minnesota United here at uh, America First Field. I will be on uh, part of the pre-half and post-game show starting at 6.30 here on The Zone. But they need to translate a little bit what they're doing on the road and bring it home. Because if they do that, they very well could be near the top of the Western Conference very quickly. I think they just need to go back to being the, the Rio Tinto Stadium. It needs to be the riot. Well, that call, was just so perfect. Yeah, they still call it the riot. It's the it's it's still called the riot. They're never getting rid of that because of the the song. The song. But Rio Tinto doesn't no longer has the naming rights. It's now America First Field. It's, right. Like, essentially, they're calling. It, I think they call it like the riot at AFF or something like that. Fascinating. But, I I don't know. I I think that's the magic sauce, though. I think that's why <laughs> why it's changed. I don't know. That is just fascinating to me. I I wonder. I wonder what the stumble is at home. That's that it. Are there any sports psychologists out there? Like, can you break this down for me? Where's Riley Jensen when we need him? <laughs> no, but it's it's interesting just to see uh, where things are going to go because they could very well could all of a sudden flip it on its head and start oh, winning no at home, and all of a sudden they go back to being middling on the road. But they're the best road team in Major League Soccer right now. They have the best record. They have the most wins. Like they they're rocking and rolling, and. I think it's going to come around at some point. It just feels like that for them in terms of their home form. And like I said, it could happen as soon as tonight uh, against Minnesota United. But it feels like what was a squad that had so many question marks at the start of the season, especially when it came to they needed a forward, which they just got in Chicho Arango. They have found options, by the way, uh, on the roster that were already there. It feels like this squad has suddenly become, okay, what can they really do? They've completely flipped the narrative about themselves in about a month and a half's time. Well, I mean, here here's to maybe a change or two more, just just to get the home the home <laughs> record on on track. Yeah, no doubt about that. All right, um, okay, Michelle, let's talk a little bit about what's going on in the NFL. Have you seen okay. the the little budding rivalry going on between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals? Ah, uh-uh. so. Uh, Jamar Chase uh, st- stood uh, uh, was stumping for his guy in Joe Burrow, obviously, his quarterback there in Cincinnati. Uh, the wide receiver, this goes back almost a month now, was on, I think it was a podcast maybe? And he said, like, essentially, the, the, he said he made a comment about Pat who, speaking of Patrick Mahomes. There's a little bit of some shade being thrown at Patrick Mahomes, obviously, and they have this rivalry going on. Okay. Okay. Uh, and Travis Kelsey has his podcast with his brother, which if you listen to, have you listened to their podcast? I haven't. The, I bet that's entertaining. I've checked it out every so often. It's called the New Heights Podcast. They're absolutely hilarious. <laughs> they're they 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 they're, they're, they're two brothers just bantering. That's what yeah. that's what and it, let me say there's an explicit label on it for a reason. Uh, but uh, this football. week this week he said that uh, so Travis Kelsey said he understands why Jamar Chase is wanting to stick up for Joe Burrow. But then he adds this. He better be ready to back up his, quote, bold talk. He's not wrong about this. I mean, who has the rings? Because it's not Joe Burrow. Correct. And I don't mean any shade. And and Jamar Chase doesn't have him either. Yeah. Yeah. I I think Joe Burrow has a lot of potential there to to get some rings. But at at the moment, the only one that can, can and should be talking smack is really Pat Mahomes. Well, and he said, here's the thing about this. We don't get a lot of these rivalries in the NFL. Like we had one, the Niners and the Seahawks had a good one for a while there with Richard Sherman talking his crap Mm -hmm. on one side and the Niners responding. 
I'm actually in favor of stuff like this in the NFL. It juices up. Oh, I love it. it it's fun. Like, I, I mean, yeah, talk your stuff. Yeah. I, but just understand, like, if you're talking your stuff and you don't have a leg to stand on. Uh-huh. Yeah, so and so Travis says this on the podcast. Quote, I thought it was a little bold. Mahomes is a two-time league MVP, two-time Super Bowl MVP. To say Pat who is like, I don't know. Jason Kelsey then responded, who plays for the Eagles. He thought it was, quote, a little disrespectful. Obviously, we all know that Mahomes didn't like this. I don't know if you saw they had their Super Bowl ring ceremony. Mm-hmm. And Mahomes, it was actually really funny. I'll show you the picture right here. You see this? It's him holding up his two rings. And then he says this, that's who. <laughs> like Mahomes is handling it the right way but then this, this is the last part I want to talk about this is what the Kelsey side of things says quote it is what it is dog who doesn't love some good locker room banner man shout out to Jamar Chase for holding it down for his QB but don't you ever disrespect Pat Mahomes now if you want to talk to your bleep talk your bleep pimp just better back it up unquote <laughs> uh, I I mean I I Hear nothing wrong with that with that last sentence. If and you want to talk true. your bleep, talk your bleep, pimp. Just I, I I love I love that he brought the word pimp out. I, that, the, the, the pimp was like the, <laughs> the, the cherry the, on top, the coup de gras of all. But <laughs> it's fun to have stuff like this in the NFL because it, far too often it's become too corporate in a way where it's just like okay, great to have these two teams literally chirping back and forth mm-hmm. in the off season. It's going to set up for a really, really fun regular season head should they ultimately get to where we think they're both going to go, where it potentially could be they're playing for a Super Bowl berth in the AFC title game. Now, the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen over there are like, hey, yeah. hey, we're we're here too. We're good too. Yeah. Don't forget about us, guys. We, oh, I that brings up, we should talk about this really briefly. Okay. Uh, Dalton Kincaid making some noise. Yes. At, uh, well, and got, okay, are we surprised though? No, we're not surprised. But I thought it was really interesting and cool uh, that, I mean, NFL legend. Oh, my sure. gosh. Why am I blanking on his name now? That's embarrassing. Uh, I, I, I'm not following exactly where you're going, so I apologize. Okay, hold on. <laughs> hold on. I wrote about this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish I, I got I'm like, there's, I NFL know. legend is real nebulous of no. a term. Oh, gosh. This I, is... While you look that up, can I insert also one Go other guy it. locally? Puka yeah. Nakua. Yes. Uh, so Puka's been down with the Los Angeles Rams. And when you have your head coach, the best receiver on your roster, both talking you up saying that you're going to be a part of the team this year, I think Puka has uh, achieved all that we expected him to. He was a fifth-round pick. And I, I remember some people out there saying, well, how could he? He's only a fifth-round pick. What's he really going to do? I'm like, anybody who's watched Puka play from his high school days to his college days, you never count that kid out. Is he the fastest? Is he the biggest? Is he the the like the is he going to be elite in any one skill? It doesn't seem like it, but what he is, Michelle, is super super effective. He knows who he is as a player. The Rams love him. That's they, always the key. And it's similar to the Kincaid situation. Like they've shown up in, in OTAs and these rookie mini camps. Those two players in particular, those are the two that have been most noteworthy to me because I've seen the most written and mm-hmm. talked about. Yeah, I would agree. It's good to see them both standing out because that means that if they're standing out right now. You're going to see them this fall. Yes. Von Miller. Oh, it's Von. Okay. Von Miller. Yeah, I, okay. I this, do remember this now this that you mentioned it. Dalton Kincaid kid's insane. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> well, you're telling all of us something that hey, you Vaughn, know, we already know. There's a certain game against USC that you may want to turn on. And watch. Yeah. Um, check, check it out. Yeah. Hey, you, won't, you won't be disappointed. Well, and that, but that's it, it, it's nice to see this because yeah. you, when you're a first round pick, 
you have a lot of expectation heaped upon your shoulders. It's kind of a different situation mm-hmm. for a Puka Nakua. Puka's when he was taken in the fifth round, people are thinking, okay, he comes in, he, he's a backup, blah 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 blah. We'll see how he does. There's on the practice squad, yeah, sure. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the expectation is that okay, you're going to be a decent player, but you may not be your one contributor. Puka is overachieved. He he's looking like he could be game one in the rotation out there on the field with Cooper Cup, having Matthew Stafford toss him the football. Kincaid, on the other hand, he's thought to be a guy who's going to come in and revolutionize what they're doing on offense for Buffalo. They're expecting him to be Travis Kelsey. Mm-hmm. They they see what Kelsey has done to them the last two or three years, and they're like, you know what? Let's go and get us we, one of those. We need me one of them. And they went and got Dalton Kincaid, and Kincaid is that type of player. He is that type of player. But the question was, okay, can he live up to that hype? So far, so good, it sounds like. Bravo, rookies. Bravo. So... And, it's never a perfect science, and it's never going to be a perfect science. The draft, you're you're drafting on potential, and you're looking right. at past production to try and gauge what the future is. The nice part is it looks like at least two guys have shown out. Um, one other note, real quick on the on the Tyler Algier front. I don't I don't know if you saw this on social media. I, I remember who tweeted it out. He actually had the best success against an eight man box in the entirety of the NFL last year. No kidding. Yeah. So that's impressive. Again, yeah. rookie. Yeah. So. It's fun to see them getting opportunities and showing out. It represents the state well. It's going to help Utah and BYU to have these guys doing their thing because guess what the coaches immediately do? They go on the recruiting trail saying, hey, you see that Dalton Kincaid over there? Yeah, he played for us. Why don't you come be him? Yeah. Uh, BYU. Puka Nakua, you see Puka right there? You, do you want to be that guy? Come yeah. play for us. Like We'll give you that opportunity. It's going to be fun. Will it be... Every one of those guys are going to hit? No. no. And, and the other thing about this, you got to stay healthy. Uh, and with Puka, well, actually, no, Dalton nope. had had some issues too. Both uh, of them have had injury concerns. And the hope is, and I, I'm fingers crossed, knock on wood, like, yeah. I hope just I hope stay healthy, guys. Run. Stay yeah. healthy, guys. All right. We will come back on the other side. We'll wrap up today's show with some final thoughts. This is the Saturday show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. If I die young, bury me inside, lay me down on a bed Welcome back to the Saturday show here at 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Jake Hatch, Michelle Bodkin wrapping things up on this Saturday. And uh, Michelle, are you a big fan of Adam Sandler movies? Uh, I haven't watched a whole ton of them, no. You've seen Happy Gilmore, I would imagine, though. Oh, Michelle. No, I don't Michelle. think I actually have. What? Oh, I'm disappointed. Jason, uh, he run on the board. Have you seen Happy Gilmore? Uh, yes, yes, okay. I have. <laughs> so, uh, obviously, Adam Sandler, one of his uh, most famous roles, playing the professional golfer that he mm-hmm. is. Well, I just saw this on social media. There's a kid by the name of Landon Gilmore who went on social media this week and said, I am very excited to announce I have committed to continue my academic and golf career at Ball State University. I am very grateful for the opportunity Coach Fleck has given me. I would like to thank my family, my coaches, and everybody who pushed me every single day. Well, this young man started playing golf at the age of six. His last name is Gilmore. Right. His nickname, Happy. all growing up, Happy Gilmore. <laughs> His Twitter handle, Happy Gilmore underscore 44. Well, after this all came out, guess who takes the social media to congratulate Happy Gilmore on playing college golf. Adam Sandler? 
No kidding. Happy Gilmore himself, yes. That is incredible. Adam tagged it on social media and said, happy is happy for you, I think it was was something like that. (laughs) But that's the thing about this. This is actually a really cool story. Who knows if this kid actually ever makes it big or anything like that, but... I, it was kind of just a funny little gag. Like I, I, I love Adam Sandler. He's really become like this really cool dude on social media. Right. He still plays basketball all the time. You ever see him like on social media? He'll just show up at like some random park and start playing. He just loves. I dude. have seen some like random clips of that. Yeah. But, just, yeah. Anyways, it's seems just, like a very down to earth person considering the amount of success he's had in life. Oh yeah, and he he's been. Uh, all over the place. The thing about this is he, uh, so uh, this Landon Gilmore Happy, he recently is ranked uh, 497th in the Boys Sagarin Golf Week ranking. So he's down the list a little bit, but he's got an opportunity to play uh, college golf, which is something not a lot of people can say that they get the opportunity to do. And obviously, I'm sure Adam Sandler, now that he's tagged him, I'm sure Happy's going to be tracking Happy. Oh yeah, I I would think so. That that seems like something that would maybe happen from here on out. Well, the best part is I was reading this story. So it's it, this is from CBS Sports. It's pretty cool. The young golfer embraced the happy nickname and decided to keep it going by keep keep going by the iconic movie character. Perhaps Bob Barker could call one of his golf matches at Ball State and really bring the Happy Gilmore scenario full circle. And they also added earlier in the article: Is Shooter McGavin going to show up suddenly at some point and start calling this guy? I, who knows it. It's just a fun little story that I think pops up every, from, from time to time. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 again, I've never seen the movie. I, I know you, the you, like golf you, swing reference. You need, you need to change that, Michelle. It, it'll, it, it's worth seeing at least once. You got to see it at least once. <laughs> at least what, once. Isn't the premise that like he's like a hockey player hockey that player. decides to play golf? Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, and like. Finds out he has a preternatural ability to hit a golf ball an extremely long way. Okay. There you go. <laughs> So, yeah, you know, it, it's <laughs> it's slapstick comedy at its finest. It's it's consummate nineties. Let's just put it that way. Like, yeah, no you, doubt. Have you seen Billy Madison? No. Oh. I'm feeling very sad about Michelle's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bill- like very on record though. Like, I just don't watch a whole lot of movies. Uh, sure, but Michelle, we gotta get you some of these classics. You, <laughs> you need to see Grown Ups at least with Adam Sandler and Kevin James. Like, like David Spade. That one's a, that one's. A, Absolutely I hilarious think I did see the first one. Okay. I couldn't tell you anything about it, though. I don't remember right. it. <laughs> but no. I'm pretty sure I actually did see that this one. This might have to be a new bit on, on the Saturday show. Is what movies has Michelle actually not seen? Oh, her- the list is very long. <laughs> All very, right, any final, very long. Any final thoughts from you as we go out the door here? Uh, just, I guess the one thing is mm-hmm. uh, look for our content this week oh, uh, yeah. up at the Ute Indian Reservation. Yes. That's uh, going to be... Incredible. You're everyone out to it, I would mm-hmm. imagine. So they're having the camp, and this is a really cool thing. We had Hank Mondock on last week to talk about it. I, I encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast. He's got a really cool overarching goal for all this. He just wants to give these kids hope. Mm-hmm. And that that can be hard to come by. Yeah. Especially on the reservations. Somebody, they, he talked about it. He's like, they out of Pine Ridge, he's like, these they got their parents telling them, hey, just, just give up. Yeah. That's difficult. Like that, uh, That's gnarly. And again... Pine Ridge is a very, very different, sure. but like there, there still is a bit of that there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and just the overarching, I think, trying to make that connection with the University of Utah, the University of Utah Athletics, you know, when you're representing a people, it's sometimes mm-hmm. very important to understand 
exactly who that is because sure. you interact with them. Yeah. No so it's it should be a cool story. I'm really looking forward to getting up there. Uh, and yeah. Have just, have fun out in the basin. Oh, I will. Right. I intend to, sir. <laughs> Hey, I, I've got a fam. I've got. I married into a family who's got connections out there in the basin. So I, you'll you'll have a good time. Uh, yeah. There's been some talks. Have you ever seen like the Skinwalker Ranch? Uh-huh. Yeah. There's been some talks about like going and touring that. So you have fun with that. I'm I'm, I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> All right. I don't mess with that crap. I'm, that stuff is not 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 my cup of tea. I I look for if you do it. I want your report next week on the podcast. Oh, 1,000%. Okay, all right. 1,000%. All right, we will do it. All right. For Michelle, I'm Jake, Jason, and Sarah producing for us behind the glass. Hope you all are doing great out there, and thank you again for tuning in. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope and Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.